everyone, welcome back to the left page. I am Frank, your always online historian, academic, and writer. And I am, as always, this is so great to say, joined by my lovely friend and excellent social scientist, Leon. Hello. Hey, everyone. Still here. Yay. He will be <laughs> here for a long time. Uh, <laughs> that sounded ominous, but it's supposed to be friendly overall. Um, <laughs> or both. I'll take both. Yay. That's a, that's a good fit. Ominous friendship is my favorite friendship. <laughs> it definitely leaves a, an important mark, I think. Yeah. So, definitely. how are you doing, Leon, before we get into the meat of it? Uh, I am fine. I hope people still remember the left page because the last three episodes mm. were all heavy media. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, this is still a thing. Don't worry, everyone. Uh, I've just been quite zealous about it. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, I'm happy to to uh to book finally again uh we did everything we did a video game we did a tv series even though anthology uh <laughs> then we did a movie and yeah. now we we do book again Woo, we have book. we have done the literary media circle uh it's finally complete now <laughs> now the media serpent can sink its teeth back into its tail and we can start again yeah. so i'm fine Good. Long story. <laughs> I'm I'm as okay as I'm going to be. This is going to be the last episode for the year, I think. Oh yeah, that's true. So, hey, this uh, is the last episode happy, for the year. <laughs> Coming out in the last week of the year. Yeah. Uh, happy holidays. Uh, yeah. I would say happy Hanukkah, but that's what date the recording. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> so I won't, we won't say the night, which night it is. So we'll just say happy Hanukkah. Uh, yes, I am, and thank you. Um, <laughs> and uh, all of future happy, uh, happy New Year's, Gregorian one, and uh, <laughs> and uh, happy Christmas or whatever. That's fine. Yeah, so, uh, happy, happy holidays, holidays, everyone. Uh, enjoy. Uh, well, by the time this comes out, it'll Christmas have will have passed because uh, I'm not going to release this before Christmas. Because um, <laughs> Frank is editing it, not Leeton. That's kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's true. No, that's. That's the, the the motif thing. You've been editing HBM. I've been editing Left Page, uh, which uh, yeah. you know it's why there've been more uh, HBM episodes than Left Page. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. It's fine. Need to put my mark on the uh, on the uh, podcasting spectrum. So it's, uh... also we were joined by excellent people. So I oh yeah, and a lot lovely guests, and we'll have more, plenty more. Yes. I mean, that's the opportunity that doing more episodes gives us. It's, it's It allows us to invite more people and do more collabs. Because you can only do so many collabs when you're doing one episode a month. Yeah. Definitely. So. But, uh, yeah. Maybe not for January, but maybe sooner after. There might be someone else joining us. Oh, yeah. Listen. Still need to figure out the specifics and the logistics. But, uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's some fun collabs in the horizon. Plenty. And we might appear on someone else's podcast sometime Ooh. next year to give you. Spooky. But more about that in a certain episode in January. So don't <laughs> worry. Probably talk about it then. Oh, yeah. For now, we are talking about A Memory Called Empire by Arcady Martin, the yes. uh, Byzantine Empire esque imperial future politics, uh, the map simulator, which you did not expect. The the Aztecian aesthetical Byzantine functional imperial space empire. Yes, <laughs> that is also uh, frontier 
uh, Christ, there are so many things. There's also like Frontier Spirits. Uh, I stand firm against the alien Warhammer 40k Empire. <laughs> we, so you know, the, the, this is uh, off left field, but not really. We need to do something about Warhammer at some point, especially 40k. I well, think. it's interesting because we might get a chance at that because with uh, there's a very uh, Hmm. I don't know how much I want to get into this. And I always say that. I'm so sorry, dear <laughs> listener. But it is always true. I do be thinking. He I mean, I think thinking. I do the same. So that's why we're a good um, thing. Yeah, no, precisely. But uh, with Henry Keffel announcing that he's going to do Warhammer, we might get an oh. opportunity to talk about that. Uh, to finally get like a professional series that isn't, that isn't animated. Um, I'm very nervous about that because... <laughs> Uh, Henry Cavill is, you know, he's beloved within the whole. Uh, how do we say this? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be flippant about it. I'm sorry. Otherwise, I'll be here too long. A uh, nerd online space. Yeah, that was the word like I was he, going for. Because you know, because <laughs> he's been Superman. He's he has done stuff. Uh, he's uh, he's been The Witcher, which is when he uh, generated the most online fan base present. Yeah, I think. I think so. During the he, he even pandered to the PC gamer community, which is. <laughs> An interesting bunch, um, and who then venerated him as well. Uh, other than that, it's uh, it, it's been an interesting journey for him because he was Superman, then he was Geralt, and then he was like, "No, I'm not going to be Geralt anymore because you guys don't respect the source material," which only get him got him more attention, yeah, uh, and positive attention, I would say, from the fan base, not so much maybe from the uh, the the Netflix slash Hollywood circuit, <laughs> if you will. Um, unfortunately and I then think. he wanted to be superman and then they were like no and he's like i'm no longer superman i'm doing warhammer <laughs> which is interesting i wanted to like the guy but he has said some weird stuff about um, the me too movement saying that he doesn't know how to like oh i'm afraid to talk to women because i'm a i'm, a, I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy and like Bleh. okay yeah. <sighs> um he has at least shown the decency not to say anything of that sort he did use the data transphobe, but you know he's English, so what do you expect? <laughs> um, the, the transphobe is the woman on um, the Mandalorian, I believe. Oh, okay. sorry. That's Welcome to the Henry Cavill podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. By the way, yeah. So the, doesn't matter. The politics them up. We're talking about uh, what is this? What is a memory called Empire about? Effectively. It is the story of an ambassador, Mahit Zmare, or Zmer, I don't know. We're going to go with Mahit for the sake of simplicity, because uh, nothing in this book is simple, and that's good, I think, but the names make it difficult a lot of the time. Uh, no, yeah. Well, well, we'll get to the titles. Um, yes. <laughs> and the Texcalan names. Texcalan Lee. Texcalan Lee Tsim? Lim? Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the setting. Yes. <laughs> so... <laughs> This book is a lot... It's Effectively, we follow Mahit, who is an ambassador for a... Well, she is uh, the people of LaSalle Station, which is a an aggregate of different space stations in a particular system, LaSalle System. And uh, they are effectively sort of a... I don't know, like a protectorate within Texcalan space, because uh, yeah. Texcalan is an ever-expanding empire, but they haven't been annexed yet. They're still somewhat independent and have one of those weird kind of agreements. They, they enjoy gracious relationships with the all devouring as empires are known to do. Oh, yes. Uh, you know. The devouring beast that is the empire. And 
I'm trying to think of like a similar relationship. Maybe one could think of it as the Holy Roman Empire and Venice, or like yeah. one of the other um, city states. Like they enjoy a lot of autonomy, and they are not like de facto absorbed into this empire. But they, although Venice was a bit too independent, so that's not a great example. I'm trying yeah. to think of another. Well, anyway, <laughs> it is this. It's this uh, station that. Once again, probably would be. Uh, it's not. It's totally conquerable, but it would take some effort and time. And it's if you're going to put far. in effort and time, yeah, if you're going to put in effort and time, you might as well pick a juicier target. And that's so. Yeah, it's it, you are you are a thing on the beast that is empire's plate, but you know you're not attractive enough because another another better dishes are on the plate <laughs> for now. Yeah. So you know you're not you know you're not going to be. Uh, be speared by its fork yet but uh it might soon <laughs> it's coming yeah it, that is the thing it does always gonna come to that oh exactly so this is our, our main setup and uh, mahit is going to replace her the former ambassador in the capital of the empire which is also takes kalan uh which is also named the jewel of the world because uh th- there's a whole thing about language and we'll talk about this but the world, and the pirates. city, and the empire are all one single wo- word in Texcalan. So it's all yes. one thing, which uh, is quite interesting. But again, language. We'll, we'll get to that. Texcalan equals yes. <laughs> Texcalan is yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> it is everything. Uh, not in a good way, though, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Juxtaposing it to the last HBM episode, it's the bad everything. It's a very bad everything. And yes. with the death of the of her, you know, of the previous ambassador, she, suddenly the na- sorry, the name of the previous ambassador is Iskander Agaven. Just so you know, <laughs> so I might re- reference him as uh, as Iskander, so you know that's the previous ambassador. Yeah, because he does show up, sort of. But we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to the whys and the hows. But yes, Iskander, the the previous ambassador for La Salle Station, is dead. Suddenly, no one knows why, uh, and no one says why. But uh, they need a replacement pronto. And uh, there yeah. goes Mahit to replace him. And Yeah, because she was an associate of his yeah. beforehand. So she's a logical... Uh, well, the position above you just got opened up, so <laughs> <laughs> let's all move on, people. All place up the corporate ladder. Or not corporate, but the... Uh, the diplom- diplomatic letter, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. It's uh, the, the, how diplom- dip- diplomatic corpse works. Um, yes. So she is replacing her. She is this stranger, this, and that's the word, this barbarian in civilization. That's how Texcalan refers to those who are not citizens. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, she's trying to protect... Lasalle Station, she's trying to stay alive, she's trying to find out what happened to Iskander, and uh, it all goes quite catastrophically wrong and right, and you know, empires. So that's that's <laughs> where we start uh, with Texcalan. Yes. Which is, I guess we can start with Texcalan as a, it's an interesting choice for a name. Uh, thank God it's finally not something Latin. So that's cool. Um, yes, it, it always is, isn't it? It's always, it's always Roman. It's always fucking Roman. It's not even Byzant- yeah. Byzant- Byzantine. It's Roman. Yeah, it's it's. I'm happy that it isn't Byzant- uh, Byzantine or Roman or Greek, but it's um, 
Yeah, like something that is considered non-Western. Once again, I would be very careful with calling Greek Western <laughs> because it isn't. Yeah. Um, at least not in a way that people just say uh, slap the sticker on it. Western period. <laughs> it's true. Greek is very much a fusion of. Never mind. Uh, maybe we'll get into that. I don't know, but uh, I would I would love to like talk about classical misconceptions one time. But oh. there might be a more ideal book for it another time. Yeah, that'll that'll come uh, up eventually. Yeah, I, do, I think so as well. Because there's already enough to get into here. So oh, yeah. it's uh, and I already assumed that you know the 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 the, the, the dear listeners that we have are already well enough educated to already grasp uh, what we're talking about. <laughs> With regards to like Western uh, recuperation of history and rewriting, yeah, uh, which is a, another thing that might pop up in this entire in in this book. It's oh, a thing yeah. that pops up in this book, in quite a in how well, how Tezcalan portrays that. things, produces and reproduces its history, narrative, and culture. But again, yes, we'll get to that shortly. <laughs> I think that's the next. <laughs> which step. is something we say a lot, but you know, yeah. please bear with us. We it's podcasting. Yes. Well, Frank and I have like a bunch of interests that overlap with each other. And all those interests like are somewhat vaguely related, but we do have a broad spectrum of things that we, uh, you know, we both enjoy. So it's like, oh, this, we can talk about this. You can talk about that. And oh, this is relevant. And I have ADHD. So when I think about one thing, I automatically, automatically think about the other thing. And it's like, I don't know how to filter what is relevant because I think it's all relevant. Yeah. Because I feel like if I leave something out, I'm lying. I'm not giving you the full spectrum, which is <laughs> where the anxiety gets into. Never mind. Anyway, that's just so you know, we're not trying to do that on purpose, or I am not trying to do that on purpose. I'm yeah. No, I think it's like the podcasting full... phenomena of like, right. there's a lot you want to talk <laughs> about, and eventually you make certain choices and accept this. Like, okay, we spoke about X, Y, and Z. Is there anything we need to mention at the eleventh hour to finish this off, or are we good? <laughs> Yes, precisely. So, uh, Tesclan is an interesting naming convention, I would say. Uh, I point out that it uh, resembles the name of this very important Aztec city. And... Yes, Tecnoctitlan. Yes, I think that is quite obvious. I don't know. Once again, not I uh, don't know a lot about that region's history, so I'm very careful with drawing comparisons. Um, but yeah, I think that's quite obviously that. Yeah, I like I I think it's uh, quite you know it's it's the 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 long vowels the t the x's the c yeah, the x's <laughs> definitely and it's uh, I I'm ashamed to say that as once again it's a historical region that I always wanted to get into but I sadly don't have enough primers or uh, push factors so to speak yeah. to get into it uh, I will one day I promise it's it's difficult to get into with it's, it's like without proper guidance and even with that guidance right. like if if it's not if it's not with a teacher or with material that really helps you get into it, it can become even more difficult, which was my case, totally. unfortunately. And but anyway, not the oh, point. That's, that's, that's too bad. Uh, understandable, but yeah, too bad. And it's um, yeah, it's also because a lot of sources that are at my disposal are very much filtering that history through our Western lenses. Yeah. Yeah, that that tends to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I- anyway. Well, anyway. <laughs> Takes Kalan. Yeah, no, so I'm ashamed to say that I only know Montezuma from from the Aztecs. I believe it's Aztec. Yeah, from civilization. Uh, he... <sighs> yes, because it's from civilization. Of course. It's, um, sadly, it's, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do know a lot of colonizers and all the bad stuff they did there because, once again, those were Europeans. Yeah. So that, that is accessible to me. But <laughs> I, yeah, I know. It's uh, something I always want to get into. Anyway. Yeah, I found that found it refreshing and interesting. Oh yeah, it's uh, naming convention. It's quite new and, and and like 
you know, it's difficult. I think the names themselves are a lot more difficult than the titles. The titles are like difficult to pronounce and such, but yeah. they they just like it's distinctive and it's different and it's taking a, a naming convention and form and aesthetics, I suppose, which is not just traditionally Western, really. Yeah, and I think it's also a good choice, as in it's a it's a righteous choice in the sense that um, it was a very admirable empire once again, uh, based on our both our political configuration. Uh, we don't endorse empires ever, <laughs> but we do both love history, so we're in that weird yeah. space of like you know. And, and it takes references from the the Aztec Empire in some way. You know, the, the focus on the sun, the sun lit as this yes, uh, honor guard and stuff. The, the well, the human sacrifice. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, the uh, well, honor, honor guards are a general imperial thing, I think. Yeah, but it's uh, yeah, no, it's definitely very interesting and and justified because uh, people don't understand, and I think my fellow Europeans and just you know, also therefore uh, American and Canadians or United <laughs> Statesians, I should say, but um, it's they don't understand how large and well organized the Aztec Empire was and like Mayan society, oh, yeah, and, and it's it's like. Um, to give like because uh, I know accounts of colonizers because that, that once again that information is present to me uh, unfiltered and there are records of and the Spanish don't like to talk about this for reasons and like you know generally <laughs> Europeans don't like to talk about this for reasons but there were there, there are records of Spanish uh, and Portuguese explorers uh, being marveled by the well organized cities in the Aztec Empire and how, like, you know, it had, like, working sewage, sort of, kind of, and not modern sewage, but, you know, it, something that definitely functioned way better than European sewage, oh, yeah. by the way. Um, <laughs> significantly better. And they had city planning, like, advanced city planning. They were planning. highly sophisticated and, societies. Right. So that's what I'm trying to get at. So it, it's, it's very, uh, it's definitely not a bad thing to it's very deserved to like make a powerful empire giving giving it a naming convention of the aztec empire or aztecian or whatever you're supposed to call yeah. it i'm sorry i don't know that <laughs> but yeah i i you know i think it's 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 good uh that's one long story short dexlon is a good name for the empire that's oh all I'm yeah it is then too bad that they are colonizers though well <laughs> um, the the if we well so they're, they're right. colonizers in the more traditional sense uh, when you think of European colonization, annexation, and yeah. domination. Uh, but they're also, well, if we think about the at least the Aztec Empire, at least and some of the others, they were uh, annexing empires. They were aggressive. They were yes. militaristic as well in various degrees. They were they were different each of them. But you know, it's they weren't good empires. Uh, they were empires. Uh, so the the clues in the name, unfortunately. Yeah. It's um, yeah. It's, it's very important to think that I don't think, although hmm, I don't know. Um, it is a bit more late medieval empire than uh, indeed the colonial eighteen hundred empire, for instance, um, or late seventeen hundreds for for Texcalan. Texcalan. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a lot more like this territorial annexation and this direct control. It's not as much the sort of decentralized level of colonization which we see in the 19th. Yeah, and it's interesting because one of the it opens up on this, I think, and on this uh, geopolitical uh, friction interaction. And uh, I forgot the station name, but it's not Lasat, which is where our uh, main protagonist, 
uh, sorry, Lacelle. <laughs> it's not. It's not Lacelle. Um, where our main protagonist comes from, Mahit, uh, the ambassador, the new ambassador. But it's another station. I forgot his name. I'm sorry. But it's um, the, there was a news flash of that there's this coup on uh, that station, and it's very important tagline to that um, to the news coverage, saying that trade will resume in two weeks. <laughs> And which is uh, very interesting to see that it utilizes flow of capital as casus belli. And what do I mean with that? Is that, well, it's something that's, and this is why it's some, this is why I'm spending so much time on this because it's difficult to pin, pinpoint exactly what configuration of colonialism is mm-hmm. taking place here because it reminds me of uh, <laughs> the United States uh, trying to do a coup somewhere in Latin America <laughs> um, when Latin America is like, yeah, we're just going to hang on to our own resources and not let the United States corporations like ransack us and use our uh, use our populace as essentially wage slaves. And the United States is like, just sends like an angry emoji in a group text and just then tries to coup you. And... Um, <laughs> You know, not to be flippant about this because there's a lot of history to that and mm-hmm. it's still very relevant. So I'm sorry if Kim causes thoughts, but I, you know, it, it's it's a topic that's, we're going to touch on topics that are very rich and deserve <laughs> their own episodes. Oh, yeah. And I'm sorry to gloss over that. It's never meant as like as, as a sign of disrespect or like, you know, once again, to be flippant about it. Mm-hmm. But I hope everyone <laughs> understands that you can't talk about everything with the time that it deserves. Yeah. Um. We will t- probably one day. Uh, once again, long journey ahead of us still. But um, it's uh, so anyway. Long story short, it's it's interesting. This little tagline about like okay, so and it ends with trade will resume, and that gives me the idea. Communicates to me that it that was the main cause of conflict, because it is what is communi- being communicated to the important empire, the Tlaxcalani, and the people in that empire. I mean, and to let them know like okay hey upper class the trade will resume in two weeks so that they are like satisfied again like okay we can try and utilize the trade that comes from that station slash planet i forgot which one Mm -hmm. i'm so sorry but that was that was very interesting to me because once again it blurs this idea of which colonial configuration we are talking about here like it, it does lean towards what frank was saying i think but there are also like tiny little examples of like different stuff yeah, and, I don't know. It, it shows like <laughs> it's the potpourri of the best and most effective imperial forms of control, violence, and domination. Yes. So it's uh, it's you know trade wars in these particular sense of like you know to open up or close up or resume monopolies and control, or it is yeah. also this direct annexation of territory. We think of planets and systems and such, and it is also yeah. in terms of the acquisition of cultures and such, uh, uh, well, cultures and technology, when we're thinking about La Salle Station, because that also ties up with uh, one of the things that is a part of, like, one of the intrigue games during this book, but uh, <laughs> the fact that La Salle Station has a uh, particular technology which allows them to preserve memories and impressions and knowledge and skills that, uh, you know, previous people have acquired and effectively it's like yes. a, a memory storage thing of, of you but it's uh, and it you know has complicated processes in order to fuse with a new person and you know a whole lot of exams 
and you know it takes a little while to work and it becomes like a, a new thing but it doesn't consume the current person you know all those careful sci-fi distinctions and you know the care it takes to, to do that and represent that in a way that's like yeah it's not any of these other tropes it's something on its own and and it's like the ideal scenario for this which are the uh, the imago or imago machines uh, imago i would say imago mm-hmm. let's just settle on that <laughs> but it could very well be the other one i don't know yeah go figure we're sorry for all the pronunciation by the way there's uh, there's a yes. pronunciation glossary at the end and it's like oh god no uh, i mean i respect you for it but also it's like there's that that's too, there's too much there's already too much to talk about <laughs> It's interesting that it is in there to like <laughs> it it gives us this uh essentially it gives us the mahit choice like how much am i going to assimilate myself to the culture <laughs> yeah. or am i going to allow because once again in her uh, stationer which is what um there's this broader stationer culture yeah uh, i believe and lasalle station where once again where mahit is from is one of these stations yeah i think it's the larger one or something like that yeah but there's like more stations and like she is from a group of the a very loosely knitted together greater culture. Like she's from, but you could say that she's a subculture, the cell station. And um, there, there's just a, the way from the text Kalani see uh, state uh, the others is like just stationer humans, you know. So yes, they know what the cell station is as opposed to another station. But to them, they just all group it together as stationer culture. And this culture that isn't Texcalani is then seen as barbarians. And Textually. This, yeah. And it's this, um, I don't know, it's, it's this interesting casual disposition towards, like they know they're not barbarians in the classical sense, but that doesn't, but they very much like the the administrative and political barriers that separates and uplifts text colonies over stationers. Like, don't actually see them as like your classical Roman slash not Roman barbarian barbarian (laughs) relation. But, you know, there is very much... uh, But they do like the administrative functioning of the cultural separationism, this, you know, because they profit off of that. And within their own empire, because guess what? They are the strongest and biggest, baddest empire around. Or are they? <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> for, at least among the humans. So it's worth saying, um, you might be excused to not <laughs> know this right away, but they, they are all humans. Yeah. And because the empire is so big, we don't necessarily know how big, how many worlds are included in the empire, right? Yeah, we don't. It's, it's just left, big. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's just big, big empire, and uh, multiple worlds by far. And other than that, it is uh, that's you know it's interesting because you can kind of let your own imagination seep into that crevice of how big you want the Texclan empire to be. And other than that, it's 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 interesting to see how how this process of annexation works, both mm-hmm. cultural and direct and military annexation. Because once again, there is this conversation between Mahit. And a bunch of Texcolani people because she has to be the emp- uh, she has to be the ambassador to that empire, and uh, Mahit loves uh, Texcolani culture. Yeah, I think it's safe to say. Yes, she she does. I I think that's one of the interesting things. Like that's she is she's always been interested. Like from 
childhood and such like always been amazed and wondered by it and always like wow this is so cool uh and so fun and so interesting and so poetic and so epic and and you know and and, and she grows older and even in her role she's still fond of Texcalan culture but she also yeah. feels bad as like i i like this and i want and i find this interesting but also like this is a this is a conquering militaristic violent domineering culture that is about integration con- and control and uh, they are a threat to my to my people to myself and and yet i like this and it's like what's wrong yeah. with me but also yeah she especially likes the poetry yeah ah you want to get into into the poetry okay so um if you want do you want to put it as as you phrased it (laughs) okay so there there are multiple uh, dimensions of poetry and um i i would like to begin with you know not the thing that i phrased but like what she loves so much about it and she knows a lot about like the important literature pieces yeah of texcalan and uh she recognizes some of the um we talked about the naming convention of the empire, but sorry, before, before we get into poetry, actually, I'm so sorry, everyone. We kind of need to get into the naming convention of the individuals. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's, that that's be, what we ended up not mentioning. How about you tell, <laughs> how about you tell uh, the naming convention? Okay. Because we want to walk into it because we haven't, we haven't introduced anyone from the Texcolani empire. That's true. Yet. I mean, it's telling that's like, we don't need to talk about, Oh, Iskandar yeah. Agavan. Fine. <laughs> Mahit Zmari. Fine. Okay, now we need to talk about the, the Texcalan lit slim. Um, let's go. Uh, let's, let's okay, so it. usually their names are a number and usually a plant a noun. Uh, or a flower. Those are the more traditional, more prestigious. Um, no, just a noun, right? Well, yes, but the, there's a mentioning early on that it's yes. the, the more traditional one is plants and flowers. And you know, the, like a low number, yeah, as well, yeah, usually a low number, and traditionally a flower like flora. Uh, but there are exceptions, a lot of them. For example, one of the the uh, cultural liaison to Mahit is free seagrass. Yes, it's the number three, written in in letters, not the, the actual numeral. Uh, but free seagrass. Uh, of course, that uh, starts getting more complicated because there's Freegrass's friend, Trauvazalia, and uh, it, it starts getting worse yep. um, as we start, you know, there's the the military leader uh, and mostly fascist one lightning. Yeah, the best name. I'm, I hate to say it, but it's such... It's not that I like it or whatever, but it's more like that's such a good... Within your own made-up naming convention... One Lightning is such a great name for, like, the military, talented general with a devout following type, you know. Uh, yeah. It's like, what's in One Lightning? He Like, it's just, it reminds me a bit, I'm sorry, okay, can I go off on this? or do you Go, wanna... go, go. Okay, okay. So it reminds me a bit, and I'm sorry to say this, but um, it reminds me a bit of, like, the naming convention of the Soviet Union. <laughs> like, people are thinking of new names for themselves. Yeah. Like Molotov, it means hammer and whatever. And it's like, I always love this joke. Um, it's like uh, Leon Trotsky going like, well, it's like Lev Bonstein, which is like his, you know, his name. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I call myself Leon Trotsky after the prisoner that, that, in, that, uh, that, in, that, um, 
that imprisoned me and like the jailer that I have, blah, blah. And like then I can almost imagine Stalin interrupting him saying like, my name is Joey Steele. And it's just, <laughs> it sounds like a B grade action Marvel villain or whatever. No, no, it sounds like Joey Steele because that's what the name is. Joseph. No, anyway, it's fine. And, uh, um, and that's fitting because uh, of, of the very names, there's also... Um, I think this is like a, a real name or like a made-up name of, of someone who's trying to be edgy with their naming. Right. And so that, that's why it reminded me of it. Like yeah. Joey Steele is essentially like it's it's great, but then you know one lightning is just that that captures the same. How do you say this? It's, it captures the same vibe of like look at me. I'm look at me. I have a cool name. <laughs> like like one lightning could definitely be like an action hero name or something. Yeah. You know? That's that's all I'm trying to say. Like a superhero name. Like so that's that's uh I so the first compliment that I want to give other than it's giving uh having an interesting setting is that uh, the writer understands, the author understands their own constructed culture. Yes. And so well in such an like such a very well, just in a good way that I appreciate. Like a lot of a lot of writers, I think, with fiction, especially within sci-fi fantasy, mm-hmm. um, just construct things and then don't move within those constructions in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And I think this is such a refreshing. Like it, it's it's not like yeah, it's you could call the space opera, but it is not. Um, it's grandiose in what happens. But the setting isn't super broad. Yeah, does that make sense? No, that does because the a lot of the action happens well within smaller confines of the city. It's like a detective political drama a lot of the time. Yeah, so it's 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 a Venn diagram between political intrigue and murder mystery. Yes, I think, and they overlap. So hence the Venn diagram. <laughs> um, they overlap quite heavily, but that's that's are those are the two main courses of this setting i would say yeah it's the, mo- the two main pillars if you will of uh, the setting and i think they utilize and complement each other quite um because of, of course of course the political intrigue is going to have a murder mystery yeah naturally i mean easiest quickest thing in the world <laughs> yeah it, right so that's that's what i mean and uh because there uh we do know that iskander died and we also know he's murdered like, obviously it, it's not said flat out but we all know you know we all know it's he's like, come on ambassador suddenly mo- suddenly dead and what, what like the official reasoning is like oh allergic reaction yeah i it's like you could have come up with a better excuse <laughs> so anyway so yeah this, he, you're right by the way it's it's but they don't have to right because they're is, the empire conf- configures right that's what thank you they don't need to justify themselves on. definitely that's exactly what i mean and um but to go back now to the, the poetics mm-hmm. um now that we know, and this is why uh, Mahit is uh, such a great choice, because she has read all the poetry. Um, she even had to do an aptitude test, I believe. Yeah. But she's al- but she's also out of date. I think that's what's really interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. she's out of date because of a, sm- a certain time difference. I think it's three months travel between the South Station and the Jewel of the World, which is the capital of Texcalan. But yes. there's also something interesting, which comes up quite a bit, that what is most consumed at the capital isn't necessarily what is being consumed in terms of culture of poetry outside of it or in the fringes of the empire. What gets there are a lot of the times, you know, the most popular, the most well-celebrated, the most famous yeah. of those stories. 
and not always a lot of like the day-to-day ones or the ones that are popular right now or the ones that's like oh everyone's using like she is out of sync with the core and the capital of that empire it's almost it's like to get a very close uh, reference like yes there would be british works in circulation and that it would be very popular in british india but what would actually be consumed in london would be distinct to what is being consumed in mumbai for example in that same yes. period so uh, there's an, a clear and very you know careful understanding of the circulation of culture and cultural products within the borders of an empire or its fringes and so on or even the, those that where it is influent both purposefully and not it's like, oh, yeah, no, we have these things. I'm familiar with that. But also, like, oh, no, we, we don't have any of these things because they don't they don't get there. Yes. And, like, imagine only getting, like, the blockbusters of a country and not getting the more art house-esque thing that in polite society is more referenced, you know? Yeah. Like, nobody in, like, uh, like I don't know. I don't know good example necessarily, but uh, having been around, like, what would be considered civilized society in my own country <laughs> not not that i wanted to but my biological father took me to those places um it's forcefully and well. um sometimes it was fine and because once again i got to meet painters and whatnot and that, that was interesting because they at least wanted to talk about art Ooh. um there's oh, there's actually a thing that i want to talk about never mind <laughs> um there's a rapid decline in working class background artists around the world and that's very concerning that's all mm. i'm gonna say and uh <laughs> which maybe you can do like a different episode on that <laughs> But um, it's, uh, I say that a lot, and I'm so sorry, dear listener. But uh, other than that, to get into then now into the naming convention, so like you, you already um, like talked about it a uh, little bit, like One Lightning and stuff and Three Seagrass and like all these interesting names. The Emperor, for, for those who want to know, um, because we're going to refer to him probably in a bit, is called uh, His Brilliance, which is like the title, <laughs> uh, which is, it's, it's okay. I would have preferred His Magnanimity. I think that's better. Um, his magnanimousness, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, six Direction, which is such an interesting choice of name. <laughs> uh, direction. That's like, you know, I am directing, director, direction. Yeah. I am deciding which direction the Empire is going to go. And there are six of them. I don't know. I don't know what he meant with six. <laughs> but other than that, I, I, is there a definition? Because I recall in the beginning. I don't think the book so. It's explained. That, like, if you name your kid three something, that means this and this and that. Yeah, there were a few you favorites. Six wasn't one of them. Uh, it's like one yeah. is like a very, oh, being ambitious. Three is a classic as well. Uh, but six wasn't mentioned as much, I think. So, what I would have added is that one or something like that would have only been reserved for the imperial family or something. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been, because that's like a thing that's done by a, a number plate license in the United Kingdom, I believe. Mm. I think. Or not? I don't know. Maybe. Oh no! Saudi Arabia, I believe, also has that. Like, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm mixing <laughs> up stuff, but United United uh, Arabic Emirates. Mm-hmm. Um, one of these countries has like a certain number plate uh, thing that is reserved for the royal family. Only. Oh right. And you're only allowed to have those numbers if you're in the royal family. So everyone knows to get the fuck out of the world. <laughs> um, which I think would have been a fun little addition in this uh, universe as well. Not a criticism, by the way. But <laughs> it's uh, you know just a fun little thing. That's uh, one of those numbers uh, that would have then have religious significance or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, still, this writer understands this whole thing better than I think a lot of people yeah. construct empires. I think a lot of empires are constructed very lazily in fiction. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry to be mean spirited, by the way. I don't mean to do that. But I'm, I, every time I'm just left wondering, like, 
ah, but could have been, what could have been, could have been so interesting. Exactly. A lot of sci-fi is about good ideas, not well executed, which is a definition (laughs) stolen from like a friend of mine. She's great, by the way. Uh, And she's also a (laughs) sci-fi scholar. So, you know, she knows what she's talking about. Definitely. I totally agree. Um, So yeah, Six Directions is an interesting figure. Um, I I guess to take a, a small break, no, let's talk about the poetry now. Sorry. Yeah, let's talk about the poetry because I, I do uh, not want to make this a, t- a dreadfully long episode to edit. I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> You're fine. It, it's uh, so the poetry is very interesting because so there's this you know uh, more direct personal relationship dimension of it with the naming conventions and like uh, the one that Mahid utilizes and so forth. Then there is a decoding of messages. Yeah. So like you have your encryption of a message that is made out of lines of poetry did i do i, remember I think that that's about right i glossed over how that worked as i wasn't I, getting it and wanted to move on with the story um yeah okay fair enough but then i'm sorry dear listener for maybe not uh talking about that correctly but that's that's weird uh that 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 seems surprisingly easily to crack I yeah think. like i think um, they say at one point it's like a lot of these messages aren't necessarily made to be they're codified more out of custom than necessarily secrecy also, there's the fact that, well, you know, the Ministry off, right? of Information checks everything. They open, they close it. They don't really care about seals. Um, so, yeah. you know, Am very I? much uh, keeping their eye Am on I? everything. Yeah. So, yeah. It's the fun little uh, Secret Service stuff. Yeah, no, it, which is needed, I suppose, in like this conceptualization of empire that you have in sci-fi. Like if it's a multi-star uh, system empire, you're going to need that layoff administrative work or whatever. Anyway, Censorship, that's why I'm not control, endorsing. Kind of yeah. <laughs> this is why I don't like empires. Anyway, other than that. And then you have the political dimension of poetry, which is, so when there's a banquet or no, this this gathering, if you will. A ball. It's really as broad as that. A ball or, you know, <laughs> whatever. This gathering of people, of, of important people, uh, imperial clients, uh, independent uh, businessmen, uh, like the hoi polloi, essentially, of, <laughs> you know, of civilized Texacolon society. And um, other than they, so then when they come together, uh, they, <laughs> they get to practice this cutthroat politics through slam poetry. Yes. And it's like, yeah, so that's my favorite. It's like, it's essentially this... Um, this acapella hip hop diss track, if you will, of of like <laughs> of, of people like, but like subliminally, it doesn't. It's not allowed to be. Uh, you're not allowed to point at you, like six direction. Is not allowed to point at one lightning, saying, "Wow, you're a bitch." No, but he <laughs> can say like, "Wow, the flower that is uh, that strikes lightning grows too fast and might decapitate itself by its anyway." The the flower that is struck from the sky. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's struck from the sky by its own lightning or not. something like that, you know. Uh, so everyone knows he's talking shit about one lightning, but he's not actually and the directly talking gets shit to about choose one. who won the the poetry thing. Yeah, so the emperor himself does. Sorry, that I did say that wrong. Uh, the emperor himself doesn't say anything, but uh, I'm pretty sure the emperor only has to wink at someone, and someone will just give some devastating slam poetry about one lightning or <laughs> yeah. whoever really. Um, to explain a little bit more about the Empire, maybe we should talk about the Imperial Associates real quick. Uh, yes. Uh, so uh, what, what is currently going on in the, Emper- in the Empire is that Six Direction is quite advanced and apparently fairly sick. Uh, and in order to... Well, he has no children by blood. 
And uh, what he has, though, is a very young clone, which spells Regency. But not content with just <laughs> Regency, it's kind of a triumvirate where there's three Imperial associates. Eighth Antidote, the clone, which is very young. Eight Loop, uh, which is like head of the judiciary, fellow warrior companion, childhood friend to Sixth Direction. Lots of weird things. And 30 Larkspur, which, uh, aside from being an asshole, he's part of, like, family, trading families of the West, something along those lines. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, he's not a great person. Um, And, uh, yeah, there's things about that. So, you know, triumvirates always work, don't they, Leon? Same like you, Regencies? (laughs) Those those are good for empires, right? I will specifically uh, talk uh, real quick about like Tony Larkspur like being this condoned part within the Imperial Association, because once again there will always be a if when when an empire grows big it will always have a culture that is not as large or as powerful, uh, not ontologically but practically I mean, <laughs> um, as the main culture. Yeah. But like it's kind of like how Egyptian culture was um, like uh, still encapsulated by the Roman Empire, for instance, or Greek culture, or whatever. Like there will always be this like not identical to the uh, Texcalani culture uh, swallowed into the empire because a crash of expansionism. Yes, and you know so and and the uh, the merchant family or like the uh, business cons- uh, uh, how do you call it. Uh, conglomeration is then also uh, too powerful of a faction to ignore and is kept close within this imperial association yeah but it's not interwoven into the imperial structure direct (laughs) yeah sorry to but it's it's happily incorporated and somewhat pacified rather than eliminated precisely so to keep an eye on them which i think is very interesting because that's you know a symptom of empire Oh, yeah. Other than that, yeah, triumphants are great. Uh, they never failed ever, ever, and are definitely not a terrible prelude to severe eternal conflict. <laughs> I mean, if uh, there is such a thing know. as a recipe for civil war, a triumvirate yes. or a regency are fucking big indications for it. Yeah, it's interesting because I um, <laughs> I was reading uh, yesterday about the time that the Romans uh, rioted because they want the Senate disbanded, which is funny because <laughs> in a lot of popular fiction, it's the other way around. People want the Senate to stay. And it's like, well, that's not necessarily always how you should conceptualize it because, once again, Augustus was very beloved by the people at that point, and he put an end to like a long series of uh, senatorial civil war. Like a lot of those civil war armies were led by senators, yeah, or were you know accompanied by senators and stuff like that. It's a bit more complex than that. I've yeah, usually the answer is uh, they're both quite bad, and none of them is like better yes. than the other. Like pacification uh, isn't necessarily a good outcome, which is kind of the reality of the empire. Like it hasn't had a war in a while, like a war of expansion or a war of conquest or something like that, other than you know que- qu- squashing rebels. Um, yeah, it's interesting because that is how you climb the ladder, isn't it? <laughs> like, look at me, I, I, I conquer. I give me, yeah, <laughs> give me some ships and a sword, and I will conquer. For yeah, you. that's and the thing about like, one you know, lightning. He's trying to achieve legitimacy, but he hasn't been, you know, uh, victorious in a real war, something like that, which harms yes. his legitimacy. Yes, and yeah, um, 
but you know, it's the legitimacy of the uh, of Six Direction is also waning because he hasn't had a war in a long time. Yeah, and if you like, um, I'm looking for a good word, but if you nurture that culture, if you try to uplift yourself on the shoulders of that of that mob mentality of we want war, then you will also be bit by it eventually because once again it's a very double-edged it's one of the most double-edged swords i think you can imagine i mean look um, at the pax romana yeah it's it's something and you know uh other than that I, which should never be conceptualized as a, as, as peace because yes. it wasn't um it, it, it was for internal romans maybe but and even then asterisks <laughs> but i mean um, it was a greater peace for those outside roman borders yeah it's interesting but yeah, effectively, that. I love how this yeah. episode is effectively turning into a conceptualization and understanding of empire, which I think is what this, yeah. which helps in the title. It's like a memory called empire, because uh, yeah. yeah, there's the thing which with the Amigo machines, but there's also like how the empire is thought of, how the how the outsiders think of it, how they feel, how they exist in it, and what does the empire signify as presence, as memory, and as image. Definitely, and I think uh, it's what drew me to the novel. Memory called Ember is such a cool title. It's so good. Um, it's, <laughs> right? Like, oh, memory. Okay, that's nostalgia, history, story city. That's very interesting. Uh, and then like Empire. Oh, space Empire. I do like my space empires. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's like I thought at first that it was like this this uh, archaeologist looking for the uh, memories of this. Uh, pre-civilization uh, this uh, forerunner empire mm-hmm. totally not the case oh no quite the opposite <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> and um well never mind all that but I, I do like the title a lot yeah so the imago machines play an interesting role uh just just quickly uh, explain that it's it's a plot of the video game cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> uh it's with less of the like issues with a lot, a lot less of the issues. Well, um, I mean, the issues hundred... as the conflict that moves, drives the story, not necessarily like yeah. the the storytelling issues of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Also that, and it's um, so Iskander, the previous ambassador. There's a version of him stored in the cloud, um, essentially the cloud trademark. You're right. So, and um, well, we won't spoil all the details, but Mahit goes through quite some turbulence um, getting. A proper version of Iskander in her head through the Imago machines, which is um, one can kind of compare it to. Oh, I sadly, I sadly forgot the name of the species in Star Trek, but uh, there's this species in Star Trek that have parasites in them, and it sounds like a parasite, but it's not a bad of parasite. It's, uh, Everyone who has had a yeah, Drexel, that's, it's that's the it's insane. it's uh, the one in uh, Deep Space Nine. It's Dax. Yes. Yeah, Dex is yeah the, the character, but I forgot the, her species name. Yeah. But other than that, it's it's this uh this this parasite lives really long and can be placed into other people and gives this person access to the previous memories of the parasite or like the previous hosts of the parasite. Yeah. And it's not that it's not adversarial, so you know no. it's just there. It's just this organic. Uh, hypercondensation of character of previous characterizations mm-hmm. so it's it's a way to make people very smart and that's kind of what's happening here only um the imago machine seems to only occupy one person yeah so yeah it's this neurological internal implant and uh yeah it, it gives you access to uh well not just the memories but also sensations and like a lot of the physical memories as well like instincts yeah and so forth and so on 
So it it has a broader range of like personhood that is implanted into yeah, you. Yeah, true. And you have to do an applica- application test, like so that you, your mind isn't swallowed up by the uh, preview uh, with the person that is stored in the quote unquote Imago cloud. And uh, Maeve passed it, I believe. So that's why she came into. Uh, that's why she has. Is she allowed to have Iskander in her head? Yes. But this is one of those interesting technologies that you talked about earlier, uh, that the Empire governs and uh, covets. I mean, and uh, it is interesting because once again, there's a clone already of Six Direction, right? Mm-hmm. Eight antidote. Eighth. Eighth. Eight antidote. Well, I think eight because it's eight. not uh, eight. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. Eight antidote. Uh, two eights, eight loop, and eight antidotes. Very confusing, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, other than that, so yeah, it, it, it's something that he, he covens because uh, it is essentially, you know, a better version of having a clone. With a clone, you don't know because there's too much nurture mm-hmm. going on there, you know? It can go wrong very easily. Well, and the, and the Empire, this... technically, it's a secret, it's a state secret of the stationers that, uh, yeah. of the Imago machines. But uh, Iskander. <laughs> well, you know, imperial politics are are tough, aren't they? So you need to have some way to bargain. And what better way to bargain than to make the emperor of the almighty, devouring beast of the empire believe that he can achieve immortality? Yes, and also make the emperor of the Texcalani Empire your uh, <laughs> your lover, I guess. Poss- probably. So, yeah, well, he regards Iskander very fondly, and they were, like, intimate. At the very least. So, yes. So, there's the, there's some uh, uh, polyamory uh, and, and queer uh, queer normancy going on. Oh, it's yeah. A queer norm. That's true. Going on, so. This queer norm book, yay! Woo! We love those. Because um, I, don't, I don't care about homophobia in sci-fi. <laughs> so stupid. Um, sorry, but it is. And other than that, I do, I do appreciate uh, just queer norm in general. It's, it's. I we've had enough homophobia or queer phobia. I think in general, you know. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't need to. It, it, it can be explored in an interesting way, but I think those are most already done, and we can just stop for a while. I think before we revisit uh, queer phobia. But other than that, I, I, I just like queer norm. That's all. I'm gonna, gonna keep it short. Don't worry. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I do like this. Uh, this, this ambassador essentially being so good at his job <laughs> that he ends up like you know and he um mahit then experiences this uh affectionate ish it is described differently but this affectionate response to seeing six directions for the first time and she has an, her first imperial audience mm-hmm. and she doesn't really know how to explain that even though it's a bit, a bit obvious there mahit but okay sure <laughs> Um, <laughs> Let's not think about it too much. Yeah, that's what well, that's how she's so, playing it. That, that's how we know that there, at least from Iskander's side, he did care quite a bit about uh, Six Direction as a person, not as an emperor, yeah. but as a person. And maybe that is let uh, let him to say, "Hey, how about direct immortality?" And both of them were not really encumbered by the idea that they would have to find a person for that. It's it's quite horrifying. Yeah. Like, hey, let's pick a person whose mind I can eat through cyberware. Um, that is uh, fucked. And, and the idea would <laughs> it be the, the child fuck? clone ate antidote, uh, which kind of yeah, leads a lot into child. the thing that Iskander was, uh, although he cared about the Emperor, was kind of playing him because it's not really immortality. 
it's more like uh, yeah. subsuming your mind and, and joining it into <laughs> Imago machines as a collective form of, of communication and memory because you you don't yeah. remain like sort of echoes of your memories and your skills and stuff and they sort of join this link of memory through generation time and space which becomes yeah. a new person and Mahit's Imago machine which will also uh, no longer be her anymore and will steadily be less her and then the new person and and so on yeah you're in any ways your biological consciousness ends yes like you do not persist no you do not it's not like you die and then you wake up again having the memories of dying and like you know and it's nothing um, of the sort of like oh your soul is all no no it's like you die no. you die no. and that's it what is left it's, is something else. Like it's, it's a residue. Uh, I find that an interesting conceptualization of like consciousness, and I'm happy they don't. Well, I, I'm not going to say how it ends. I think that's just not too, <laughs> too that spoiler. I feel. Yeah, I don't, I don't think uh, we need to. Go read the book. It's interesting. Um, not my, not necessarily my favorite, but I do think it was an interesting exploration of empire and culture. Yeah, and um, if it's okay, I would like to fill the rest of this episode talking about that. <laughs> it's uh, how. It, is an exploration of culture and history and empire. Yeah, and, and touching or a bit, a bit of on the language to it, if we can, that'd be nice. Yeah, part, part, part of culture. Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, I think what what I'd mentioned last about the the Imago machines is that they're they're mentioned and used not as much in again in traditional ways that you'd expect. It's like, oh, this is working out. It's like, oh, it's consuming the other person. Oh, you need to fight the other person. Whatever. That kind of thing, which I've, I'm so tired of at this point. I was like, I don't care about this. So it creates conflict with it in in a few different ways. Uh, and I won't go into them to avoid spoilers. But it still makes them unique and specific in the ways they work. And playing a lot more, it's like, how do people think it works? And how they're pretty much always wrong. <laughs> Meaning the text clan. They don't get how this technology works. And vastly... They either like extremely think it's something else with the immortality and the wish fulfillment, or they like, yeah. oh, but isn't there a risk of this and that? It's like, no, you you don't think this is sophisticated or good enough, and uh, that's your yeah. bias speaking, you asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I wonder like maybe um, we can think about Iskander as being on a threat and just promising this to not have this emperor invade his station. Oh yeah. And, you know, I'm happy that there's this memory of liking the Emperor, because otherwise you could also think that the whole sexual element might have been something that he might have been doing mm-hmm. to persuade the Emperor. But that's luckily not the case. <laughs> um, very happy. <laughs> uh, anyway. Something less. <laughs> so uh, I was <laughs> talking about language. And uh, what would your text calling name be? Oh, this, uh, God. Now, now yeah, that's... Yeah. How about a curveball, huh? That's... <laughs> I hate. I would hate it if Frank did it to me. I'm such a hypocrite. I'm so sorry. Well, someone needs to do it, and I wouldn't be the one to do it. So thank you, regardless. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'd uh, seven disc. Disc. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's... Not going to elaborate on that. Just the fir- one of the first words that came to mind. Um, okay. It's better than antidote, I think. Oh, definitely. Well, there's another character who's ten pearl, and he wears ten different ten pearl rings on each finger. 
I mean, there there is objectively the best name uh, by a certain individual called 36 All-Train Tundra Vehicles, <laughs> which is the best one. Um, <laughs> All-Train, specifically Tundra, not like 13, uh, like 36, 36 as well. Amazing. Um, what a choice. It, it's um, right. It's it's just this amazing like why tundra specifically? It's not like thirty six weaponized trucks or thirty six panzer vehicles. No, it's just like or armored vehicles. I mean, sorry, and as you're being silly, <laughs> and uh, it's it's yeah. you know, it's um, it's just no, it's specifically all terrain tundra vehicles. And uh, I mean, tundra you, you must really be a fan of all terrain tundra vehicles, right? Right, it's just that's what I identify with specifically, <laughs> which I at first was kind of afraid. Well, no, mind, it doesn't matter. It's um, it's 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 great. But other, he's 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 having such pride as well. But other than that, um, <laughs> I don't know what mine would be. Uh, I can't say eight because there are too many eight people already. So I'll probably be, but eight is my favorite number because if you turn it on its side, it's infinity. Yes, that's but, why eight is my um, favorite number as well. <laughs> right. Okay. That's that's creepy. Um, <laughs> other than that, so I will pick sixteen, which is double eight, double infinity, because that's the thing. Um, <laughs> sure. Sixteen. Uh, I guess it could be lazy and say sixteen lions, because that's why my name means Leon means lion. <laughs> um, it's, uh, otherwise, we will take too much time on this. So I'm sorry. I didn't really. Uh, ironically, I thought of this question, but I didn't think of an answer myself. Huh. So with sixteen lions, that is that's the disappointing end result. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Or sixteen abysses, or something like. Uh, I th- at first, I thought you said creatures. sixteen lines, which okay. Lines, that's also interesting. Sixteen lines. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> it's a uh, it's uh, a certain type of poetry as well. Never mind. Um, other than that, <laughs> oh, that would work with poetry. Wouldn't never mind. That would. Anyway, uh, it's so it's 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 this de facto idea of superiority that I think is the strongest element of empire of their conceptualization of the writer's conceptualization yeah the author's conceptualization of empire that is so uh poignant because it's uh what is so visceral about it is that the writer manages to capture this sense of how do we say this um blasé offensiveness that <laughs> europeans and americans have i think or united states and something yeah um, about like other barbarian culture because we don't use the word barbarian anymore. They still do, but we don't. Um, not <laughs> not to their face at least. But other than that, there's this. I just I despise it by the way. I'm not making fun of this, but um, it is the reality. Yeah. That that's so I'm I'm just reporting on how <laughs> this reality. It's just a lot more. The, the subtlety which it which is in reality is uh, made more obvious in the book. Which helps in terms of you know reading and understanding what's going on, and really does ex- explore like what this dynamic is, which is that like yes. you know this this is the de facto, this is the right, this is the normal, this is the better, and everything else yeah. is obviously barbarian. If we are water, the conquerors, then uh, we water is wet, the sky is blue, Texas is better than you. Is how I would say it. It's um, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's this. Yeah, like I said, this this very normal normalcy built around severe, incorrect, perceived uh, supremacy. Yeah, and it is only challenged by this notion that there might be aliens somewhere at the edge of the universe. So it's like very, very briefly this Lovecraftian unknownism 
which is just like spiced into it, which might be explored in the sequel. Yeah, books. And I think that's I the, think so. the point because they feature in the cover. It's not really relevant. The second one. <laughs> You're right. So um, it's not really relevant for our current discussion, sadly. Maybe who knows? We'll talk, pick up the second book someday. But um, yeah, it is. It is very interesting how they have this very once again blasé attitude towards that because. There are these jokes about, wow, you're smart for a barbarian. And it reminds me so much of, like, um, having been in, at university for such a long time. It, re- it reminds me of, like, how Western, especially Western European, people are very surprised about, wow, you're from North Africa? Or, wow, you're from, like, uh, the Mediterranean or from uh, Asia or whatever have you, or Africa. And it's like, wow, your English is so good. Oh, wow, you, you're so well-spoken, blah, blah. <laughs> and they don't even know that they're, they're doing a racism. Yeah. Like, it's, well, I'm just being nice. I'm just giving a compliment, isn't it? <laughs> and the text client are different, are a different configuration of that. But that spirit, that overarching thought and process is still applied to them, which, once again, uh, it shows that this writer is, uh, you know, um, has their... I forgot what they graduated in, but they have uh, done academic text on um, Byzantine history, yeah. which, you know, obviously Byzantine, very clearly uh, part of the Dexcolani structure, this Byzantine ways, Byzantine cutthroat politics and so <laughs> forth, uh, only with slam poetry in this case. And it's, um, so it's very much shows, and also they also did, according to Wikipedia, uh, mind you, so if I'm wrong, blame them. Um, it's also... Armenian medieval history so they you know they do have this Armenia being this uh oh is LaSalle station Armenia huh Ooh, maybe possibly um, because you know because Armenia is uh uh was in between depending on which time frame we're, we're utilizing here but for a long time it was in between the Byzantine Empire and the Seljuk Empire and later the Ottoman Empire oh. and so forth and the Abbasidian Empire and or Abbasidian Caliphate and you know, uh, it has been this. Uh, I guess if you're more familiar with Western history, Western history, it's this. Uh, it's this, uh, like, I don't know how to call that region, like South Caucasus, East <laughs> Turkish. Uh, I, I don't know how that region is called, <laughs> Armenian region, whatever. Yeah. Um, this this equivalent of Poland. So, like, you know, Poland uh, as a country has been swallowed up by empires a lot, mm-hmm. and like for for, for millennia. No, so it's quite quite a while, and uh, Armenia even longer, I think, yeah. because once again it was a thing way back uh, before the Roman Empire was a thing. There was already Armenian Kingdom, so uh, it's a much older culture. So I think maybe LaSalle uh, Station is maybe based a little bit on Armenia and quite possibly the very, um, because once again one of the best generals that the Byzantine Empire ever had is, fuck me, uh, sorry, <laughs> it's, um, uh, so once again. The uh, Byzantine Empire has utilized Armenian talents in its own ranks, mm. which kind of reminds me of, like, once again, oh, uh, like uh, Mahit being talented enough to be around this Hoi Polloi esque uh, situation. Yeah, he's been selected yeah. and accepted by the Empire to, you know, graciously come over. Narses, sorry, mm. Narses. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but that's the guy. Narses, the Armenian. And um, which is you know called the Armenian, so I'm <laughs> assuming he's from Armenia, but uh, doesn't always have to be the case. But uh, old history is weird sometimes. Yeah. But other than that, it, it kind of reminds me then of uh, Armenia, um, 
better so than this uh, trade trade republic that I tried to, to draw the comparison to that I tried to draw earlier. Mm-hmm. But other than that, uh, so yeah, um, they also just blatantly admit their own uh, epic histori- historicism and the revisionism that's clear and present within there. Yeah, it's like yeah, it doesn't matter. Like shut up. It is just like I don't know. It's um, they talk about I forgot what it was a play or like an historicy um like an historical uh work and it's like yeah no it's fine because once again our vision it, it's almost like they bless history with our revision yeah it's how they see it yeah yeah I think which that's is how right. you know <laughs> once again very empire um it's i mean i think one of the things that's really interesting about all that is the <laughs> Um, and you, you wrote it down as well, in terms of behavior. And like Mahit refers to this a lot, and like she's right in like the attitudes and postures that being Texcalan uh, implicates. In yeah. a, it's like an, an emotional stance, like a being more neutral, being more serious. So something that goes around a lot is like Mahit smiles a barbarian smile, which is wider and showing teeth. Um, no, she actually should, yeah. It's um it's interesting because it's like so the person that she's showing that smile to knows that Mahit knows that he knows that Mahit knows, sorry, that that is not an appropriate smile. So it has extra significance because she's doing it on purpose. Yeah. So she's doing it with purposeful aggravation, which is <laughs> once again the writer understands Empire so well. So exactly. Saying, I think that's what impressed yeah, me the most about it's, this it's, book. It's just like yes. how empire how culture and how individuals can feel when being in these situations because mahit is deeply conflicted a lot of the time because she's fascinated she's intrigued she loves being there but it's also a terrible pain a burden and what the fuck is going on all the fucking time how do i do this that is a, i think the most visceral sorry which is an accurate description of the book sorry yeah no 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 don't um i think the most visceral example of this is and i think this is yeah i think once again, most visceral example of what we were talking about, and something that hit me quite hard was the uh, the moment where she was complimented of, um, "Hey, you could pass your citizenship test easily." Yes. And to get this, <laughs> to get this validation from the repugnance at that point already the the, the romantic vision of Texcalani, if it was ever there, it is definitely shattered. And it is, it is like, but it's also still kind of, um, I like glued back together, shard by shard, and because once again, it's it's better to, well, in such a stressful situation, you kind of fall back on what you know, yeah, and what she knows is this Texcalani uh, reference, uh, yeah, to show reference towards Texcalan, um, culture, I guess, yeah, like she's and, both, she despises that, like she's. That's a grotesque yeah. comment, but she's also proud of it, and she hates it. Yeah, there her initial instinctive emotional reaction is so split between like, oh, that's something I vividly, desperately wanted to hear for a very long time in my life, yes, and to finally real to have that old dream realized or like you know up, like um like get that stamp of approval. Mm-hmm. That, that that was such a uh once again visceral desire of yours for so long is will leave will like you know 
will have such a tremendous impact on your psyche, I guess, <laughs> and on how you feel. And those two do not always line up perfectly. But she experiences that split personality, not necessarily classical split personality. There's no actual split personality, but the split emotional reality, I yeah. guess you could call it. Um, she doesn't know how to process it fully. And it's very, like, you know, her her emotional reaction is then so intense and embroiled with uh, confusion. And right, yeah. understandably so, I suppose. It is, um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I, I, th- I thought that was such a amazing understanding of emotion and how Empire is not just, you know, a force of history and, oh, it has done terrible things and whatnot on a social, political um spectrum or skill which is usually the skill that i focus on and i think is the mm-hmm. important one but it, we should never forget the emotional and individual harm empire yes. can do to you and um i think the combination of depicting both those uh, realities both those uh perceptions and it are depicted so well and the choice to depict them both is such a great choice <laughs> it's you know yeah it's, i think once again, that's a beating heart of the book, in my opinion. <laughs> I think that was what impresses me the most about the book, actually. It's like how how it is able to convey all these different forms and actions of empire in a larger political, social level, but also in an individual one, in a cultural one, and how someone in between can face a lot of these issues when she is both like wanted, she wants to be assimilated, but she wants to resist. And she doesn't want, she wants both and she wants neither. She doesn't know what she wants. She yeah. wants safety. She wants comfort. She wants home. And yet there she must be. And there she is, which is all that she's ever wanted. But it really isn't. And that conflict, which is both like a personal conflict, really. But it's also like, how how can you engage and be that? How do you act as the barbarian subject within the capital of the empire? And you have an important political role to play there. Yes. And I think that's, that's you know, I was kind of afraid of that. She would be absorbed into yeah, I was too. the Empire, which is, um, which which still could happen. It would be a bad thing. But then that would have negatively impacted LaSalle Station. And once again, it, it, uh, that's, uh, this is a fantasy that's sad, that's luckily, not sadly, the literal opposite, <laughs> luckily is gone out of fashion a little bit lately because of better social political understanding by writers, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but this used to be like this power fantasy, right? Like I can worm my way into the empire, into the upper echelon, and I can succeed while still somehow also maintaining a good relationship with my own culture, and they will just grow to respect me because I'm a special little boy uh, or person. And it's yeah. Uh, I don't. You know, I don't I, like a particular series of books that does that. Um, I do. I, I, I'm curious if we're talking about the same. Oh, which one are you talking about? Uh, how about you go first? <laughs> uh, I'm talking about Red Rising by Pierce Brown. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, not me. Uh, I was more thinking about like the sandbox that Harry Potter portrays. Like ah, like, of course. Uh, you, you can be everything, <laughs> or maybe the Skyrim type, uh, because well, Skyrim. Uh, doesn't give you a culture to adhere to, not really. So it's a bad example. Yeah. <laughs> but it's more like you can be everything at all the time. Like that's not how that's that's not how compelling storytelling works for me mm-hmm. personally. If that's what you like, and once again, it's fine. It's a fun sandbox to play around in. And with once again video games, that's not that bad of a thing necessarily. Uh, I'm trying to think if it can work. 
in other media because once again uh <laughs> no never mind we will talk about that on yeah. ourselves. that'll, that'll come eventually be um, patient yes definitely <laughs> Um, I just want to say one thing, one final thing about, um, yeah, th- that's that's the best part of the book, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I'm very happy that they knew that that you can't just be, yeah, you can't just get have your pie and eat it too, or have your cake and eat it too. Is the saying in English? I would, yeah, it is. Uh, you, you have to, you know, you have to make choices, and choices have consequences, and those consequences matter. If you're definitely, if you're acting on that skill, on that level of that. You know? Yeah, I, I believe like it, you could do that. Whereas, like, if she did, be, if she was completely absorbed by Texcalan, but that would have to be portrayed negatively and it's like a flaw for like a falling in. Precisely. It's like you can do that, of course, um, but she can't be sympathetic by doing that. Like, it would ha- it would only yes. be able to be portrayed as a betrayal of all that she's there to do. It's like she is supposed and if we want to talk about this uh, uh, what it means like to be an ambassador to be like this diplomatic figure somewhere else is about to be in this in-between space and about being both yes. off where you are and maintaining where you're from and to not never well ideally never compromise one for the other but ideally would you'd compromise where you are for where you're from because that's that's your job <laughs> yeah it's it's very interesting to yeah, to read someone who definitely understands that very well. Yeah. And, you know, she she could be still sympathetic if she was tricked into it, or she was manipulated, propagandized into it, because that would have been interesting exploration mm-hmm. as well, but I do prefer this configuration. And we don't know necessarily where it goes, because there's this brief romantic interaction between uh, Mahit and uh, Three Seacrest, her cultural liaison. And uh, it, it ends on this awkward note, I think, if I'm... <laughs> correct to say that yeah because uh, she kind of just like uh, there's this pa- moment of passion and then she realizes like oh well the empire there's a lot of turmoil towards a certain part of the book and then the empire is more stable again and she realized like well i don't know if i still feel the same way <laughs> <laughs> and so she also the imago machine is kicking into overgear and she's becoming a fusion between like one third iskander two thirds mahit it's like what i uh interpreted yes yeah. She's becoming a new person. It's like, well, I'm not Mahit anymore, but neither am I Iskander. I am, you know, new. I am becoming. I'm, I'm a verb, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, Which as we I always think... are. Right. And But also, once again, what the writer understands is that history, culture, and uh, politics are also verbs in yes. a very real and visceral way. Like it's you know it's ongoing. It's what kind of what we talked about uh, in the last episode of uh, what we talked about in the last episode of Here Be Media. It's a palpable force. Yeah. It's and what you talked about on the Pretty History Station episode, like history has happened, is happening, and it's going to happen. Uh, it's going to keep happening, and yeah. you know, t- and we are all individuals and cultures, like groups of people and individuals, to pick a very broad yeah. term. Yeah, we are children are of all time, subjected to it. And the process of a group of people is not in sync with the process of the individual. Yes. And fellow individuals' processes are not in sync with each other. Your process is going to be different because, once again, we are individuals. As much as I believe in collectivism, up to a point, asterisk, um, I do do not think we should ever neglect the individual. Yeah, the, there can be no that's... sort of compromise <laughs> in that regard. Yeah. Because they, they're both important. They both create the world that we know and the world that we want to live in. And... At the end of the day, I think what attracted me the most or, or 
don't know, captured me the most about this book is the realization that it does portray both in a much more negative situation uh, within a hostile yeah. empire as an outsider, as a literal capital O other. They're being uh, suffering this othering pretty much the entire time. Um, and the book understands it and plays with it and plays with those differences, with those characteristics and with those flowing dynamics because they're constantly changing, constantly shifting. And in that sense, Mahit as an individual is also discovering how she plays this role, what her role is, what her role can be, how to adapt and play to the current circumstances. And at the end of the day, uh, well, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suspend the end of that sentence because I want you to read the book because I think it's a great book. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. Um, like, like, once again, not to rethread what I already said, but especially this, this, this message that acceptance of your uh, of colonizer's culture, of the of what is perceived within the power political power structure of where you're at, the dominant culture, um, is their acceptance is not worth it because even those there are people who just outright dislike her because she's a stationer, yeah. but there are also people who like you know like even even three seagrass, who once again she's the closest with out of all text colonial yeah. people, like she never uh, even though she's like approached in a what is at, at the first instance, seemed to be a kind way. It is still steeped in like condescending, uh, not fully conceptualizing any any idea of equality. It is only like, oh, look at you, you 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 special little thing. You know stuff about us. Wow, how impressive! Of course, you know stuff about us because we are the best. But you, you know, might be you know just it very like impressively. Us. Yeah, you, well, you are adjacent to us, and wow, aren't you a credit to your people? Like it's you know, it's 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 that it's always steeped in that, and so even the accepting accepting seemingly kind uh, Texcalani people are still superior assholes, are still like supremacists, are still and Mahit know, is aware of it. Is yes, so it's like she knows that there's nothing to be gained here, not in any meaningful way there's nothing there's no validation to be gained that is worth it and within this power structure and that's that's very important to know because that that does portray uh portray not betray but portray a very relevant part of our worlds with you know uh, once again a lot of people coming from non-western sector uh areas of the world into like this western circuit and having to deal with exactly that yeah and that's yeah. You know, I'm very happy that the author understands. And that that val that's my closing that, that thought. Any <laughs> possible validation that gives is both meaningless, flawed, steeped in all that, and ultimately fruitless. Yeah, it maintains the power structure of what it precisely. It doesn't invite any radical re reconstructing or revisionism or whatever. It's you know. Anyway, that, that was my closing thought. I don't know if you have anything no, to No, I, I think I, I, ideally I intertwine my closing thoughts with yours. So I think that worked well. All right. <laughs> Good. Um, so yeah, yeah. that's, that's a, a left page episode, our last left page episode of 2022. Hurrah. Yes. So yeah, um, thank you so much, everyone. Thanks again, Leon, as always. Uh, thank you for listening. I yes, uh, hope you enjoyed. Do check out the book. I can't recommend it enough. I It was one of my favorite reads this past year. Not the best. Uh, it had tough competition, but definitely one of my favorites, one of the most enjoyable ones. And one of the few books recently was like, I just picked up half of it and like, 
finished it in a single day. So feverish time reading, uh, which is fun. And I haven't been able to read as much other than, you know, other podcast stuff, which I will be quiet about uh, because thesis writing <laughs> uh, is going well. <laughs> But yeah, uh, thank Good. you so much for being here, everyone. Thank you for listening to the end. Uh, do check out our Patreon if you can at patreon.com forward slash left page where you can find access to early episodes, other writings, uh, stuff that I need to catch up on because, you know, thesis writing has consumed a lot of my time, energy, and, you know, psyche. So that. But you can find a lot of previous stuff there. You get access to early episodes. And yeah, do check us out if you can. Do support us. If not, that's totally understandable by all means. Uh, just you being here and listening is uh, all the all the delightful support. Uh, but yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, see you soon.